0: Welcome to a new episode of AI Chats, a podcast series produced by the law firm of Haynes and Boone and lawyers from its AI and deep learning practice group. Our intention is to explore the exciting, ever-evolving, and occasionally controversial world of artificial intelligence. My name is Eugene Gorinov, and I'm a partner in the Chicago office of the firm, and I'm joined by some of my very distinguished colleagues. Vince, would you like to go and introduce yourself for our listeners?
1: Sure. My name is Vincent Shire, and I'm a partner in the Washington, D.C. office.
0: Dina, how about you?
2: My name is Dina Blikstein, and I'm a partner in the New York office, and I'm also a co-chair of the AI practice at the firm.
0: And last but not least, Jamie, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners?
3: Hi, I'm Jamie Raju, and I'm an associate in our Dallas office.
0: Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. For our latest episode, we are going to talk about the United States Patent Office's comments on AI inventorship. But before we get started, our standard disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be legal advice and does not establish an attorney-client relationship. The topics we discuss are subject to change. Legal advice of any nature should be sought from your legal counsel. This podcast does not... Represent the opinions of the firm or any of its prior or current clients. Now, in the wake of the Thaler decision and in view of the current state of AI and machine learning, there remains uncertainty around AI inventorship. This uncertainty is becoming more uh, more immediate as AI and particularly machine learning uh, systems make greater contributions to innovation. Uh, If AI is capable of significantly contributing to the creation of an invention, the question arises uh, whether the current state of the law provides patent protection for these innovations and inventions. Accordingly, in order to foster and promote AI-enabled innovations, the United States Patent Office requested another round of comments on the current state of AI technology in the invention creation process and on how to address inventions created with significant AI contributions. Um, First, I mean, how is AI, including machine learning, currently being used in invention creation process? Vince, would you like to get us started?
1: Thanks, Eugene. Uh, So this is really addressing the first question posed by the patent office, and in reality is, it seems that we cannot read anything about patent law these days without also having to read about AI. Models like ChatGPT and BioGPT have been speculated to be on the verge of replacing virtually every white-collar job. It leads to a bigger question: Is can the mass hysteria of living in George Orwell's 1984 be right around the corner? When we look behind the scenes and we think about this, AI is is a neural network that is trained to determine an outcome based on the training data. So we see AI in many different contexts with cluster-like data, identifying images or similar images, recommending advertisements, summarizing text, chatting, uh, recommending stocks and bonds as part of an investment portfolio, maybe detecting fraud. But in the biotech sector, we also see AI being involved in a myriad of of areas, including identification of drug targets, identification of binding domains, generation of a set of candidate drugs, and even diagnosing diseases. But it's important to keep in mind that all of these different uses are based on training data sets. So from an invention standpoint, AI can be seen as just another one of many tools, albeit a very powerful tool that's used by inventors. But is AI much different from these other tools when used in a manner that's dictated by the inventor? For example, inventors in the biotech and medicinal chemistry space have used computers for in-silico modeling for years. In this space, the input, modification, and assessment are controlled by a person. So is that much different than controlling the input in a neural network? So the question that's posed by the USPTO as an initial question is simply just adding another layer to the the question of inventorship, which has already been aptly recognized in Mueller-Brass v. Redding Industries as one of the murkiest concepts in the muddy metaphysics of patent law. With that being said there may be some areas where we eventually evolve to a level of inventor or co-inventor status for ai in fact we saw this in thaler's davis uh scenario where prototypes for a novel beverage holder and a light beacon were created without any input from thaler himself uh Other similar areas can be envisioned, including inventions that can be found exclusively using computing, such as encryption or decryption techniques.
0: So, Vince, let me ask you one follow-up question. Are we gauging AI inventorship on the significance of the contribution by the AI, or is there more to that inquiry?
1: Yeah, I think we're going to talk a little bit about this maybe later on, Um, and it really, again, is... It's kind of mixing concepts when the PTO poses the significance of a contribution. We really must focus still on what is inventorship and conception is the touchstone of inventorship as we have long thought uh, based on decisions like uh, hybrid tech, the monoclonal antibodies. And so is it the significance of the cons- of the contribution or is it still a question of conception? And I think we cannot lose sight of the fact that it is conception that we care about most.
2: Let me jump in here and just uh, you know follow up on what Vince said. So Davis is actually a great example of this, right? So Davis itself, when it's being used as a tool, was found to be patentable. It's the Inventions such as the cup holder that were invented by Davis that uh, Dr. Taylor couldn't patent because that those were created by AI. So like the Taylor cases are a great example of uh, where AI is being used as a tool as opposed to AI conceiving and inventing something. Well,
0: thank you for that clarification, Dina. Well, and, and Jamie, uh, let's run with that a little bit. How does the use of an AI system in the invention creation process differ from the use of any other technical tool?
3: Well, AI is pretty much still being used as a tool, very similar to how you might use traditional software for typical computing tasks. But the difference is with traditional software and computing programs, there are rules in place. You put data input in. And you get answers. Um, it's basically software that's programmed to perform a particular task. With AI you give it input and you get answers but the rules aren't quite so defined and it's basically learning how to perform that task. It's figuring it out with more training, with more data that it gets. How it gets to the answers can change and that can be different. Um, so There's a lot that's happening at the training stage that can allow the tool itself to evolve over time and how that tool is working. Whereas with traditional software and algorithms, it's set, it's not going to change no matter what different data you gave it and there's not give it, and there's not really a lot of training that's happening. So in that sense, you know, you might be using AI in a little bit of a different way. You're using AI because maybe you don't know exactly how you wanna to get to that answer, um, but it's, it's evolving to figure out how to take the data that you give it and spit out the answer that you want.
0: Well, let's go back to the question that I uh, initially posed to Vince. Um, if an AI system contributes to an invention at the same level, or maybe even a greater level than a human being, Who would be considered the joint inventor? I mean, are are we looking at the extent of contribution or the substance of it? Dina, do you want to
2: take us there? Yeah, it's a tricky question, Eugene. And um, I think what you're asking me is whether the legal framework and the statutes are broad enough for AI system to be an inventor, uh, depending on the contribution. So, for example, if we look at um, statutes such as um, 35 U.S. 115 and 101, uh, those can be interpreted by the Patent Act to only require humans to be the, inve- the inventors. But to get to that point, one must look at the legislative pr- process and the jurisprudence. So, for example, 35 U.S.C. 115 pertains to who can sign an oath and a declaration on behalf of the inventor, right? So the language is is that the applicant should make an oath that he believes himself to be the original and first inventor of the process machine, manufacturer, composition of matter, right? And then uh, the statute continues and says that such oath is valid if it complies with the laws of the state or country where the invention is made. So what uh, Dr. Thaler did when he applied for a patent on behalf of Daubas in the United States is uh, signed um, the signed the declaration saying that uh, Dr. Thaler Thaler is making an oath on behalf of Davis. And so once the case was made, uh, the Patent Office, of course, said no, and uh, the case eventually made itself up to the Federal Circuit. And uh, the Federal Circuit essentially said that, um, no, the Patent Act, as defined by 35 U.S.C. 110F, defines an inventor to be an individual or a joint individual. And uh, that's essentially it. And then they also cited to the Supreme Court, right, that said in action, Muhammad versus Palestine authority, um, that an individual is uh, ordinarily a human being or a person, right? Unless there is some other indication by Congress. So according to 35 U.S.C. 115, right, if an AI contributes to, to an invention to the same level as a human, can, they invite, can AI be considered the inventor? Um, I mean, a, at least if you analyze 35 USC 115, the answer is probably no. Uh, we can do the same type of analysis for 35 USC 101. And uh, that particular statute says that um, whoever invents or discovers any new and useful process machine manufacturer or composition of matter uh, may obtain a the patent, therefore. And uh, Dr. Thaler, um, when uh, this uh, this case was going through courts, uh, cited to Section 271, right, that defines whoever, which refers back to 101, to include corporations and other non-human entities and try to open a path for AI being the inventor um, that way. Uh, now, of course, uh, the Federal Circuit, um shut him down uh, and essentially said that um, are holding that the inventor must be a human being, right? So if uh, if you start looking, you know, to answer your question, Eugene, uh, the statutes such as uh, 101 and 115, right? Uh, to be an inventor under the Patent Act uh, is uh, you essentially need to be a, a human.
0: So then the level of contribution is not important, the real question seems to be, are you human?
2: Um, I, I think that's right. And uh, you know, at, the, at the time those statutes were written, uh, no one was thinking of AI ever being an inventor. So working with these statutes and trying to finance, finance the language is essentially like fitting something that's round into something that's square, like nothing really fits.
0: Got it. Um, All right. Well, here's a related question. Um, What about inventions where AI contributes at the same or higher level as a a human inventor? What are the ownership issues that can arise in this context? Uh, Jamie, you want to take us there?
3: Uh, Sure. So this can pose all kinds of issues, um, potentially, right? So with with a patent, the inventor is typically going to be presumed to be that initial owner and the inventor may then choose to, or or joint inventors may choose to assign their rights to some other entity might be another human being or a corporation. Um, But if we're going to consider AI as an inventor, then is an AI, let's say is the sole inventor, then would they be an owner? Um, If they are considered to be the owner then that raises some other potential issues and questions. Could AI then assign their rights? There's currently not really a framework for that. Um, if they're going to be considered an owner, would you be able to sue them for would the would AI be able to be suing someone else for patent infringement? How would that work? There's not quite a legal framework for that to happen.
2: Yeah, I think the reoccurring theme here is just that the current legal framework is not equipped to handle AI being an inventor, and uh, well, it seems like there is a need for a legislative change to you know, clarify one way or the other whether AI can or cannot be an inventor.
0: All right. Well, these are all very interesting questions, but I mean, this makes me wonder. Uh, Does the patent office need to expand its current guidelines on uh, inventorship to address the situation that we've been discussing? In other words, where AI is a significant contributor?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll jump in on that one. Uh, I certainly believe improved guidance may be helpful. But if there's sort of a certainty whether AI can or cannot be an inventor, uh, but Ultimately, it's a very difficult question to answer because it's difficult to see how the USPTO has the the power and authority to really add much to the debate. Uh, certainly, they can attempt to clarify their guidance in clear cut cases. Now, for example, as we've been talking about already, something like Thaler, where the courts have already clearly chimed in that a natural person or a human can be uh, the inventor, and is, has to be an inventor, and that we cannot designate AI as an inventor itself. Certainly under inventorship laws, uh, that, that seems to be where we are with the current legislative structure. I, but now the question is really posing what the PTO's guidance can do. It, we need to remember that the USPTO is bound by statute and case law. And so expanding the current guideline, although maybe useful for examiners, it could ultimately just further muddy the already muddy waters of inventorship as the USPTO's guidance has no binding authority. Uh, But with that being said, I think we all do welcome additional insights and and clarity on what the, the PTO's position and policies might be. But there's also a delicate balancing act. Some commentators have expressed concerns that this amounts to almost an overreach in looking at contribution as, as a critical metric because it's really the wrong test that what we're looking at in terms of inventorship is who holds control over the intellectual pursuit. And who provides the ingenuity necessary to give rise to what we would consider to be an invention? So, his contribution and and what the PTO may roll out an increased guidance, if it ends up defining something that's nothing more than sort of a pair of hands working at the direction of the inventor, then it's not useful. Uh, because one does not qualify as a joint inventor by merely assisting an actual inventor after conception of the claimed invention, so again, all roads seem to point back to conception under our U.S. legal framework. Now, as as Dina had mentioned, there it, it really becomes a question of statutory change. Uh, for all the guidance and, and improved clarity, the USPTO maybe able or willing to provide, ultimately, the questions that are probably going to be, uh, we're going to see over the next five years or so is really one that's going to look at the statutory scheme and whether we need to make changes to the law to take into account the role and contribution of AI. Uh, and we have to be very careful as as Jamie's already discussed, because there's a lot of additional statutory changes that may be inadvertently triggered, things like uh who can make the declaration, who holds ethical obligations, who holds a duty of disclosure, how about assignment and ownership rights, rights to license rights to sue. All of these are potential consequences of opening the door uh, to allow AI to be an inventor or to change our definition of inventorship away from solely conception and one that leads more down a path of significance of contribution. and ultimately the question of, of what is the driving force of a change of law may solely come down to economics what is the value of inventions that ai has its hands in uh, will it create and find faster st- solutions and are those solutions ones that ai is necessarily the only uh inventor and ultimately if we do not reward companies that utilize AI in such a way, will it stop those companies from innovating or perhaps publishing their innovative results and favoring more uh, trade secret protection? Uh, These are just some of the many questions that are are raised that go outside the purview of what the USPTO can ultimately uh, provide guidance on.
0: So it sounds like we've only scratched the surface here and not just us during our conversation but the legal thought on the matter is only beginning is that right
2: That's right Eugene but you know at the same time it's also good that the patent office is taking a look at it now because as novel as inventions by Davos are there's still trivial economic value to them Right, but let's uh, let's flip this and look at big pharma. Right, suppose supposedly AI um, a pharma company invented an AI machine that started to invent drugs for that could treat AIDS or cancer or whatever. Right, so those drugs would be quite valuable, and uh, if the company wouldn't be able to patent it, it would be uh, to a detriment to everyone because they would not be incentivized to do to use AI to invent. Now, the difference between AI inventing and a human inventing is that typically AI can do things a lot faster. So there's a real potential to have drugs being brought to the market much sooner. When get, but again, if there is no legal protections to this type of Uh, to AI inventions, what would be the point of using AI to invent things?
0: Makes sense. Well, Gina, since I have you on the hook here, I mean, is the U.S. Patent Office's treatment of AI inventions the same as other countries, or are there any differences that we can talk about?
2: Well, the similarity worldwide um, is that all countries appear to be looking at their statutes uh, for what to do with AI being the inventor. Uh, Now, so far, uh, the only country where AI can be an inventor is South Africa. Um, Australia came close, but uh, that decision was uh, overturned. Uh, Now, most of the countries are in the no camp due to their statutory interpretation that AI cannot be an inventor. Um, However, uh, Europe, Europe and also Germany are looking at a way where AI owner, so the owner of, of AI can potentially uh, become or put him, put him or herself as the inventor as a way to move the prosecution of that type of patent applications forward. Right, Where that would ultimately land is still to be decided uh, because uh, that decision in uh, Germany, for example, is on appeal to the German Supreme Court. So different countries are looking for potential loopholes where AI can be an inventor. Most of them keep landing into the no camp, uh, with exception, again, uh, being the South, being South Africa, where AI can be an inventor.
0: Well, thank you, everyone, for a fascinating conversation about this ever-developing topic. And it sounds like our conversation is just the beginning of the development of the law, as well as our discussion on this topic. And therefore, I'd like to thank Vince, Dina, and Jamie for joining us to discuss this topic, as well as to all of our guests and listeners for listening to this episode of AI Chats You can find today's episode and all future ones on major podcast platforms such as Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Amazon. Our podcasts and relevant articles about artificial intelligence topics are also located at the firm's AI and deep learning practice page, which can be found at haydensboon.com. Our practice page also contains contact information for all lawyers in our practice group. Please feel free to reach out with us with any questions or suggestions for further topics of AI Chats episodes. Take care, everyone. Thank you.